Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's C. Sparky Pfeiffer along with Nathan Marzion. Our guy, Bucks super fan on NBA draft night. Uh, it's about uh, 11.30 in the evening as the NBA draft is getting ready to wrap up. Uh, as we record this live streaming on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page, we are at pick 53 uh, right now. The Bucks have the last pick uh, at 58. Uh, so we, as the podcast is going on, the Bucks will make their last pick. So we'll be able to go over both Bucks picks, providing the Bucks don't trade 58 at this point to somebody else. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but the Bucks were able to, uh, in this draft, Mr. Marzian, uh, not necessarily trade into the first round. Uh, they didn't trade the guy you've been wanting to trade in, Bobby Portis. He's still a Milwaukee Buck. I'm sorry. Uh, Pat Connaughton is still a Milwaukee Buck. I'm sorry for that myself. Uh, and Grayson Allen is also still a Milwaukee Buck. I'm sorry for both of us uh, on that one. So everybody's still here, but Mr. Marzian, they were able to trade to pick 36. Uh, in the second round with good old former cohorts, John Hammond and Mr. Weltman uh, from the Orlando Magic and give up a pick, in which case uh, it'll be 2030. Who knows where you and I will be in 2030, but that's when this pick will actually get through a second round pick and cash considerations. And immediately my kid is like, well, how much does that mean? A million? I don't know how much that is. I have no idea. It just says cash considerations. And they got... 36 and Nathan Marzian, who did they pick with 36? Uh, Andre Jackson out of UConn. And you being a Marquette fan that you are, big, big Marquette fan, has seen Mr. Jackson play for UConn, obviously. Uh, probably up close and personal at some point. I would imagine if I serve form, if you've seen Buck or uh, Marquette uh, and UConn games, your thoughts on Mr. Jackson? I love the player. It's a very, very interesting pick. Um, he brings a ton of winning qualities. I, I said he's the op, he's the exact opposite of Jordan Wara. Think think of everything Jordan Wara is good at, which is scoring and shooting. That's what Andre Jackson's bad at. Think of what Jordan Wara is bad at, which is defense, passing, um, making the smart play. Yep. You know, doing all that little stuff, being super athletic. That's exactly what Andre Jackson is. He's the guy that makes all those little plays offensively. Um, he's not going to score. He only scored, I think, six points a game with UConn. He's not a half-court scorer. He doesn't have much of an outside shot at all. But he sets screens. He cuts. He defends. He makes really. He's a really, really good passer. He plays like the Draymond type of role. Now, he's, he's not Draymond Green, and he's not – he's like a different, you know, mold than, Jay, than Draymond Green. He's a little bit more athletic. Um, but he plays that type of role. Great where, transition passer. Yeah, he plays that type of role where he's kind of a connective piece and he's kind of a guy that, you know, I I loved him coming into this draft. Now, I was more like, okay, I want to see him go to the right team and have in the right fit 
of a team that has, you know, that he can go to and not need to be at all a perimeter player or be right. a scorer. Like again, with Draymond, where he's got shooters all around him, he can just be that connective piece and it all works out. He plays defense. He makes those winning plays offensively and that's all he need. With the Bucks, it'll be interesting. I don't, you know, my, my initial reaction is I, I don't love the fit just because it's almost impossible to me to put a non-shooter around Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be a great shooter. I'm not saying everyone has to be a 40% shooter that they put around him, but if you're a bad shooter, it just really ruins a lot of the spacing. And even if they, you know, some people are like, oh, well, they need to change up their offense, not have Giannis bring the ball up anyways. And so then the shooting doesn't matter as much. Well, no, I mean, no matter what offense they run, Giannis needs driving lanes and Giannis needs just not a clogged paint at all. He needs as many guys out of the paint as possible right. so he can go to work. So I'm skeptical about the fit. I love the player. I have little doubt that he can like make an impact in at the next level, just making winning plays. But again, my, my only problem is just the fit. And I'm like, okay, I, I just want to see how they kind of work him into this. If he's not a good shooter, um, he shot 28% from three last year. And then the year before he was at like 36%, didn't take a ton of them, but I mean, he, he took like two a game, but I mean, I, I guess that's a, somewhat of a decent sign, but I know his form isn't the best. I don't expect him to be much of a shooter or offensive you know, half court scoring player, but it, it'll just be interesting to see how they fit a guy like that into their system because it is a very, very different player from the type of guys they've had under Bud, where it was just Giannis and then you had Chris and Drew, and, and around them it was all just kind of, you know, spot up shooters, and, and that's mainly it. This guy is pretty much the opposite of he does all that little stuff and makes all those winning little plays, is athletic. He just doesn't have the shooting part of it. Nathan Marzian, I'm a little bit confused by you. Maybe it's late at night. You're tired. You're confused by really what's all going on in your brain. I don't disagree with what you said. I'm with you. I think they had to get shooting. Um, And that was something I was hoping for. He's not that. Your analysis of him, spot on. No disagreement. My question is this, however, you, Nathan Marzian, leading up to this draft, has spoken not a hundred times, but tens of 20 of times about they have to get a wing defender. They have to get a wing defender. Isn't this dude a wing defender? I mean, isn't this what this dude's going to be? Now, you're right. Offensively, he does nothing. But can you put him on Jalen Brown now and forget about it and move on uh, with the rest of your night, even though you're playing with four offensive players, unless you're in transition, obviously. But isn't that kind of what everybody has said they needed was a wing defender? And isn't that kind of what he is? Um, I mean, the, the the wing defender thing comes under the assumption that they are a cap- like competent offensive scoring option. You know, I'm not again, I'm not expecting they have to be a 45% three point shooter. But if you said, okay, you can have a wing defender that can't shoot a lick, you know, if you gave me Matisse Thibel. I don't really want that because all of a sudden, you know, there's guys that get played off the court defensively. Yep. And that's, you know, again, that's what we're looking for is we want a guy that doesn't get played off the court defensively, but you'd also don't want them to get played off the court offensively. Then, you know, I don't want a guy that can defend really well, but provides nothing offensively is kind of killing your spacing out there. And that hurts your offense. And all of a sudden it's, it's kind of counterproductive. So I, when I say wing defender again, and there were guys in the draft, in my opinion, that were, you know, just as good of wing defenders. If not, there's a couple guys I thought were better wing defenders than him and also were 
you know, capable shooters and offensive players that didn't, you know, wouldn't ruin the spacing. Now, are they the the passer that Jackson is? Are they the, you know, connective piece offensively that Jackson is? No. Um, and he, he makes more winning plays on the offensive end than they do. But just that shooting aspect of it is still a pretty big deal. And so, you know, again, when I when I was saying wing defender, you're kind of that comes with the assumption that they are at least an okay shooter, that they're not going to just be able to be completely sagged off of and forgotten and hurt spacing. You know what's funny about this draft is, and I was listening, who the heck was it earlier today? It was an NBA draft preview show. I think it was on Sirius XM Radio, and I forgot who the analyst was. But he said, this draft is filled with a lot of really great athletes that can't put the ball in the basket. And it's kind of funny because it kind of is what it is. I mean, there there are some that are light out shoot lights out shooters that can shoot, but a lot of these guys are just that great athletes that can't shoot, uh, and that's a lot of what you're seeing get drafted. And then you hope that you can make them better shooters once you get them into your facility with your coaches. And now it's you know instead of focusing on schoolwork and all this other stuff besides college basketball, now it's all basketball all the time and. You hopefully can make them better. Bucks, by the way, as we're recording this, now three picks away uh, from having their pick. The center from UConn, by the way, is uh, still there. I like him. I, I don't know if they'll take him, but uh, Sonogo, I, I I like him a lot. We'll see if that actually happens. Um, but Marzian, so they move there, they get that player, but they have Marjan Bochamp, who they just drafted last year, who, again, you and I just talked about on the preview last podcast we did, the preview podcast, about, look, if they think Bochamp can be that, because he's long, his arms are long, he can be, or could be, that wing defender who is trying to improve that three-point shot and become a better offensive player. Now, essentially, you got two of those guys, and Bochamp is actually the better offensive player, I would say, at this point? I mean, I wouldn't, here's the thing. I I would say Bochamp's a better scoring option. I wouldn't, I, I'm not sure I would say he's the better offensive player, Overall. Really, you think Bochamp's that bad still? No, I'm just saying Andre Jackson does a ton of little stuff offensively that is valuable. Now, because offense isn't just scoring. Offense involves passing. Offense involves cutting. Offense involves sure. screening. Offense involves, okay. you know, doing all that stuff. All right. So they're just so different, you know, offensively, where Andre Jackson does all that stuff. He just doesn't shoot. He doesn't, you know, have a perimeter Score. offensive game. He doesn't handle the ball. He doesn't do right. any of that stuff. Whereas Marjan's more of like, okay, he's going to be a shooter for us, spot up guy, you know, handle it just a little bit. So they're so different now. Now scoring wise, yes, Marjan is the much better scoring option, but as an overall impactful offensive player, it's probably Andre Jackson. But again, that kind of gets thrown out the window if his shooting is bad enough that it ruins our spacing. Because then all of a sudden, you know, you can be making as many nice passes as you want. But if our spacing's thrown off and Giannis yep. is thrown off because of it, that's again, that's where the worry for me comes in. And that's why I'm like, yes, he's a good defender, and that's what I wanted. But he's a poor enough shooter and a um limited enough offensive player that I that all of a sudden becomes a concern for me. Um, compared to like again, a guy that could be a, a is a decent shooter and you know will just be a passable offensive player, but plays amazing defense. The guy that I wanted, I put it on Twitter, and I said on Twitter at Sparky Radio, hey, man, never saw this guy play, but I like the write-up that I'm seeing from, uh, I think it was Giovanni uh, from Draft Express, and he's working with ESPN now, on Vucevic. 
the center from where is he from Serbia or something like that uh, or Turkey. I don't remember one of those. Uh, and I liked what I read. Now, not a great shot blocker, but can stretch the floor, can rebound, can hit three point shots, good shooter, physical. That I was down with that. I was like, okay, that's fine. If we're going up to get at somebody that if they lose Brooke Lopez can still stretch the floor and hit a three and do some of those other things, I was good with that. Would you rather have had that pick than the pick they made? Sorry, what, what was the pick again? I, I was reading something. I'm sorry. Yeah, way to pay attention during the podcast. I'm sorry. I'm, um, I'm reading something on Andre Jackson. That's bad. fine. No, this Vucevic character that Washington ended up drafting oh. after the Bucks, who is a center who, according to Giovanni, I was reading on him, and I tweeted it out that, hey, man, this guy can shoot the basketball, stretch the floor a little bit, can rebound, not a shot blocker, defensive. You know, he's work on his defense. But it gives you something else if you were to lose a Brook Lopez at some point to kind of give you another big. Would you rather have had that pick, a guy that can stretch the floor and hit the three, versus the guy they took that doesn't do much as far as scoring? No, because I I think I'd rather have Andre Jackson because I just, I mean, I just like him more as an overall player. And I think, you know, the the lack of defense from that guy, Vukovic or whatever his name is. He's another guy that was with Prosper at that combine. Another guy that balled out day one and said, I'm good. And didn't play day two, just like Prosper. Now, Prosper won in the first round. That obviously worked out. This dude didn't play day two and still ended up being a second-round pick uh, at the end of the day. Uh, but e- either way, yeah. So you rather still would have had Jackson, you're saying? Yeah, um, I would have rather had Jackson. I think, I think what like, again, he gives you great defense, which that guy doesn't. And then offensively, again, I, I mean, he just, yes, he's he makes, he doesn't have the, the or no, he doesn't have the, the shooting ability, the scoring ability, but he makes those winning plays that I'm like, okay, it's okay. Um, you're you're pumping your. I'm fist. pumping my fist. So one hour ago, Sham Sharani said, Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul began calling teams in the second round and requesting them not to take Chris Livingston. Back on June 8th, Chris Livingston of Kentucky had canceled all seven of his remaining workouts for the 2023 NBA draft, fueling belief that he'd received a draft promise from somebody. That was June 8th, according to Sharania. Tonight. I mean, it was believed Rich Paul was calling everybody, telling them, don't draft him. Guess who just drafted him at 58? Your Milwaukee Bucks just took Chris Livingston from Kentucky at pick 58, the final pick of the NBA draft uh, here at pick 58. What say you about a young guy, a freshman, uh, a developmental guy uh, coming from Kentucky to the Milwaukee Bucks and Chris Livingston, Mr. Marzian? Um. For the 58th pick, I'm fine with it. I mean, he's he's got upside, and I think he's athletic, and so I, I I'm fine with that. I think you know anyone you can get there that you think has a chance to be something pretty good. All right, I'll take it. And is it like a lot of from what I read, a lot of his you know upside and the good things about him are kind of theoretical. Like he's theoretically a good scorer, theoretically a decent shooter, a decent defender, but like it hasn't necessarily come to fruition. But again, at the 58th pick, I'll take that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, okay, so uh, this is what it said. Giovanni said uh, from ESPN, Livingston's jumper was streaky in high school, but he has shown some ability to make shots with his feet set throughout his career, the evolution of which will play a big role in how he's perceived as an NBA prospect. He also has some multi-positional versatility defensively with his length, strength, and toughness. Livingston mostly played the four in high school, but doesn't have great size for the position at 6'7". So it'll be interesting to see how he's utilized at Kentucky 
and what that means for the Wildcats' offensive spacing. Now, that was back on May 7th of last year. Now, here is post-draft analysis. Jeremy Wu uh, talking about the fact uh, of him getting drafted now by the Bucks. Livingston shut down his workouts early in the pre-draft process, leading teams to wonder whether or not he had a guarantee somewhere in the second round. He wasn't particularly good at Kentucky, but he's a good athlete and positional rebounder who's quite raw offensively. He'll be a project pick for the Bucks, according to one Jeremy Wu. And remember, you get to add in here, they get three two-way players starting next season, I believe. So that also, I think, works to the idea of taking a project pick here at the end of the second round and the ability to make him a two-way player and let him kind of go between the herd and here uh, with the box as far as practicing and so forth kind of going forward. I, I don't I mean, I don't mind it. It doesn't bother me. But another long guy uh, kind of like Jackson to a certain degree. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's length. It's athleticism. Um, and that's, you know, something that the Bucks can you could use. And again, it's a 58th pick. If this and guy youth. turns out to be at if this guy, yeah, in youth, if this guy turns out to be absolutely nothing, okay, who cares? Right. But you at least have a chance of something there. You know, it's not just some, you know, white dude shooter that it's like, okay, well, this guy's never going to play meaningful minutes. He's never going to survive defensively. He has no real, he doesn't have any athletic pop. No, this is a guy that, I mean, I'm, I was just reading something. It says, this is from Sam Vecini of the athletic. He's one of the, I like him. Um, highly touted, yep. you know, NBA draft guys. And he said, um, about living, uh, living Stin, He said, uh, anybody who is this big, this long and has some athleticism with a real motor is worth taking a strong look at. Um, it's possible he could become one of the top 30 players in this class way down the road. But I'd bet the, fir- the first team who ends up with him doesn't get to experience that value. I think he made a mistake turning pro instead of going back to college because he has things to work on as far as just developing still. He's raw. So he might not pan out right away, but it- down the road, could he become a good player? Yes. And again, that's all you can ask for from the 58th pick. Who Like, it's a 58th pick. Yeah, I agree. He was actually at the draft at Barclays Center and is now up on stage as we're uh, recording this live on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Uh, shaking hands uh, up on stage and putting his Bucks hat on. This is going to be interesting, though. I don't mind it, like you said. If it works, you look like a great. It looks like a great pick by John Horse. If it doesn't work, nobody remembers it later. It was the last damn pick of the draft. It wasn't like it was the first pick of the second round. A little bit more pressure there. More pressure on Jackson, I would say, than even on Livingston. Even though this team shouldn't need to rely on either one of them to win next year. No, yeah. I mean, again, and these are, yeah, these are just kind of shots at players that are swings at players that, uh, you know, you're just hoping that maybe one of them pans out to be something decent. Maybe one of them can be any type of role player, any type of, you know, play any type of meaningful minutes uh, in the NBA for even, you know, a couple seasons. It's like if you can right. get that out of, if you can get that out of Livingston, that'd be awesome. For Andre Jackson, I, I mean, I really do think Andre Jackson will play some meaningful minutes. Whether it's with us or someone, he will be playing meaningful minutes because of how much he impacts winning. I saw a stat where he was like he had or UConn, I guess, had the best, um, or maybe I guess he had the best like net rating or whatever. It was some advanced stat of in college basketball last season, he had the best net rating in in the entire country when he was on the floor of any player. So like he just he helped that UConn team as much as anyone. They ended up winning the title and I think he led their... them in assists in the tournament. He had most assists on the team in the tournament. I yeah. think he had 49 I mean, assists in the tournament or something like that. 
Yeah. So they're, they're, they were at their best when he was on the floor and when he was kind of the, the guy, you know, again, making those passes, making those reads, having the ball in his hands at least a little bit. Um, so that's a, that's a good sign for the offensive thing. Like he, again, he reminds me kind of of a, a Draymond type of player in with, with the role he plays. Cause it's like, he's going to just, you know, is he going to have the ball in his hands creating offense a ton? No, but he's going to have the ball in his hands a little bit to, to pass. He's going to be setting screens. He's going to be doing all that kind of dirty work. Um, and that's what you need. Then he's going to play good defense. Okay. So that's, those are the two draft picks. The Livingston being the last pick from Kentucky, the, the freshman coming from Kentucky. Let's talk about a video that was on ESPN's website earlier today. I texted you about earlier. It's Wojnarowski, and he said it on TV during the draft show as well, uh, as the draft show was going on. Now, I was watching the ESPN version of the draft with um, J.J. Redick, I can't stand. Uh, J.J. Redick was on there. Uh, Jay Billis was on there. Malika Andrews, and I don't remember who the other female was. I, I'm, I'm not sure who she was, but either way. So it was those four. Uh, and they, I thought it was, I thought it was relatively good. But Warjanski brought it up again that he believes Middleton is probably going to resign with the Bucks, uh, and it's probably going to be for a lesser amount, but longer years, just like Nathan Marzian has been telling everybody on this podcast for weeks. And so that looks like that's going to happen. But what he brought up on the video that was on ESPN earlier today, and then on the show was Brooke Lopez. On the other hand, not necessarily a lock to be back with the Milwaukee Bucks, as he believes a number of teams will pursue Brooke Lopez. And he goes as far as to zo- uh, says, uh, kind of zoom in on the Houston Rockets and say they've got a ton of money uh, and they really have high interest uh, in going after Brooke Lopez. Then it now becomes, okay, Brooke, do you want to play with your guy Giannis? For not nearly as much money, probably, the, the Bucs aren't going to want to overpay. Uh, or go play with a bunch of young guys uh, with the Rockets and make more money than you ever possibly probably could have imagined on what probably is going to be his last contract as he is an older type player. If they lose Brooke Lopez, I'm going to use the word devastating. Maybe I'll regret this later, but I, I they don't have anybody else. And yes, Adrian Griffin in Toronto was able to be pretty good defensively without a center before they got Pirtle. They were able to do it and figure it out. I, I don't want to be in that position. I don't want to lose Brooke Lopez. And if they do, I think it's going to, it's going to be devastating. I think it's really going to hurt this team. Yeah, if they do lose Brooke Lopez, I would have to I would have to think that they have some major plan of running a different defensive scheme that doesn't right. quite need him as much, you know. Yep. And that's part of why Brooke would want to go somewhere else is if they were like, Hey, our our scheme isn't gonna quite be as, you know, doesn't need you quite as much. So I do think it would be a big blow. Um for sure. So I, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, obviously something works out, he can stay. And I do think that, you know, I, I mean, unless the Rockets are really going to offer him like 30 million or something, I think there's a realistic chance he's still with the Bucks and chooses to take, as we mentioned on this podcast before, I think there's a, real, a realistic chance he takes, you know, 5 million less than he would get with the Rockets to stay with the Bucks and be on a championship contending team. Um, so I do expect him to stay. And I think, again, I also have the feeling that if Brooke, if there was really a sense that, okay, Brooke's out of here, Chris either would, and I mean, I guess we'll find out, but Chris either would have accepted his player option a couple days ago and just said, I'll take my 40 million, see how this year plays out without Brooke. 
um, because you, I, you, don't, you, you guys don't need to save money now to give him, so I don't right. need to help you guys out there. So I'll take my $40 million, yep. see how the year plays out, and then choose what to do after that. Or he'll sign for some massive, you know, close to $40 million deal, you know, in once free agency opens. But I just – I have to believe that he's going to stay here. I, I've seen so, other reports saying – you know, several reports saying that most teams around the league kind of expect him to stay here. Yes, I think the Rockets are going to maybe make an offer for him. But, again, I just – I don't think the Rockets are going to offer $30 million because it's like – why I just don't see why they would do that. Why would the Rockets pay him that much money as a 35-year-old guy, big man coming off right. of you know, injuries a, a year ago? I just don't see why they would do that. So, to me, like, yeah, they could offer him 20 to 25, but the Bucks can offer something kind of close to that. So, it's like – at that point, I just expect him to stay, and I hope he does. I hope he does, too, because it would not be good for the Milwaukee Bucks if Brooke Lopez were to skate. So if they get Milton and Lopez back, then you kind of feel better uh, about the whole situation. Uh, uh, let's get one more just quick topic in here at the end. That's just kind of recapping uh, this draft, which has a million trades. This, to me, and I'm a little bit older than you, it was the craziest couple of days leading up to the draft, including the draft that I can ever remember. I mean, at one point, I'm watching the ticker on the NBA draft before we started the podcast, and literally, like every second round pick, proposed trade, proposed trade, proposed trade, proposed trade. I mean, there were six, seven, eight picks in a row where nobody was actually making the original pick of who was supposed to be making the pick because it had been traded either uh, earlier in the evening at some point. Uh, by the time they got to those picks, there were so many trades leading up to the night and then during uh, the course of the night. I like what Charlotte did. I'm just going to tell you, uh, I, I like what they did. I thought I thought Jordan did a good job on his way out. Now, we'll see what this looks like. They have a million guards, so do they eventually trade one or two of these guys? I don't know. Uh, but I, 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 like what, I like what the Hornets did. I never thought I'd ever say I liked about anything that Michael Jordan did as an owner of a team, but fitting that it's his last draft and he did it the right, right way finally after all these years. Marzian, who did you like the best uh, tonight? Uh, across the NBA as far as what they did. I might just say Houston getting Cam Whitmore at 20, I think is such a steal, um, yeah. at least talent-wise. And that's a team that just is looking to acquire talent, looking to acquire upside. And so to get Amen Thompson and then also get Cam Whitmore, who you could argue are both top five prospects in the draft, I think that's a huge win. So I would have to go with them just for that. What do you make of what the Wizards have done in the last – two or three days. I, I think it's better than people. It, it it didn't seem good at all. It's It felt like they were giving away Beal and Porzingis for next to nothing, but essentially they ended up turning Beal into now, after the CP3 trade today, they essentially traded Beal for Jordan Poole, uh, seven second round picks, a first round pick protected, and four pick swaps. And yep. then they, they just got um, Bilal Koulibaly in the draft and gave up, I think, some future seconds to move up a spot and get him. But I actually look at like their team, and I'm like, okay, this isn't all that bad. It's a team that you know, you've know you cleared up a bunch of cap space now. You've got some second-round picks, which are all just free swings at players. And you have to take into account, too, like with Porzingis, they weren't going to get a ton for Porzingis because it's likely he was just going to leave in free agency anyway. So they were trying to get what they wanted to – what they could get for him. Um, and – so I don't, you know, I'm not going to judge them for not getting a a crazy good deal in that in that whole trade because, you know, you're kind of working 
um, at a disadvantage there. So I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was all right. And same with Beal. Like once it kind of got reported that like Beal wanted out and everything, and you kind of lose some of your leverage that way. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, well we have to trade this guy and you know, where are we going to trade him to? And he's got the stupid no trade clause. So you right. lose some of your leverage there. So I thought they did it for, for how kind of limited they were. I'm, I think it's okay. When I look at their team now, I'm like, okay, there's at least a, a direction they're going, you know, they're not going to be good. They're going to get, you know, picks in the future and, and they're going to have high picks and all that. But they also have a little bit of young talent and they got Tyus Jones as well. Now, like, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Who's they an expiring need contract to get to bottom out and start over. That that's pretty much what they decided. To hell with it, because Leones is the owner has always said he's never going to bottom out. Like that's just not what he believes. They're always going to try and compete for a playoff spot and so forth. He just now signed off on bottoming out. That's pretty much what has happened in the last week or so. He said to hell with it. This isn't working. So let's just blow it up and start over. And I give him props because a lot of a lot of owners wouldn't even attempt to do it this way because there's no guarantee how long it'll take you to get back. Look at Orlando. They've been trying for years and still can't figure out how to get back, even though they got a lot of young talent. I love the Miami Heat pick. I thought that was a great pick, the kid from UCLA. I think that's a great fit for the Heat. I, I think that works out. Prosper to Jason Kidd and the math. Ay, ay, ay. I mean, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> there's a part of me that kind of feels bad for him because if Kyrie ends up back there, Luca looked like he was ready just to have a, a complete meltdown and start crying by the end of the year in Dallas after Kyrie showed up. Didn't look like he was having any fun. Looked like he was miserable. They've made all and they've said all the things that lead you to believe they're going to pay Kyrie stupid money for Kyrie not to want to be there by the end of next year. Uh, and now Prosper is going to have to go into that circus and try and figure out how to fit with Jason Kidd as head coach. I kind of feel bad for Prosper, I think, even though nobody should feel bad for anybody getting drafted in the first round. You should feel happy for him. But I just don't know if that's the best fit in the whole wide world for Prosper at this point. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. He might be like a – they might lose Dorian Finney-Smith, so then that might be a replacement for him, kind of a similar player defender that they need on the wing. Um, can maybe hit some threes occasionally. So I don't know. We'll see. Like you said, I'm not thrilled about him being under Jason Kidd, but um, I mean, good for Omax to be a first-round pick. That's awesome. Yeah, another, no team I did, another team I did like a couple of their picks was the Lakers. I like that they got Hood Shafino who I like a lot, and then they got um, Maxwell Fino, Lewis. he goes by. Yeah, and then they got Maxwell Lewis in the second round, who was my guy I wanted the Bucks to pick, but I like I like those two picks. How about the St. John's military kid? Uh, Podzimski yeah, Pod- or whatever you, yeah. you say his name, he, going to Golden State? He lived in my neighborhood growing up, actually. So, Get out of here. Yeah, sure. Really? I, 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 I sent him a text this morning where I was just like, yo, like, good luck in the draft tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean – I wasn't like best friends with the kid, but like we, you know, I, I know who he is and like we'd occasionally just be like, oh, what's up? So kind of cool to see him get get drafted 19th, which was, you know, kind of surprisingly high to the, to Golden State. Um, So that was, that was. And like he said, there's some Milwaukee guys over there already. So there's that. Uh, yeah. My buddy uh, who knows him as well was at the little viewing party. They were at Revere's uh, family and friends and stuff kind of watching uh, he, and originally, I, I guess he was going to be at St. John's. They were going to do the viewing party there. And then all of a sudden he got a call saying, hey, guess what? You're in the green room. Come on out to New York City. Come hang out with us. So they all got together and watched. And it's awesome. Like they're all got the, the cameras out on the TV. And they're all watching, waiting for him to get picked. And yeah, that, that's a pretty cool deal. Anytime somebody from Wisconsin gets drafted, uh, it's a pretty cool deal. And then he was not a Badger. He was not a Golden Eagle. Illinois is where he went first. How does he get out of the state exactly? Do you know? 
I I mean I don't even he he went to he went to yeah because he went to Illinois and then he wasn't getting much playing time right. so he transferred to Santa Clara to right. get more playing time right so. yeah wild stuff just absolutely wild stuff yeah I, but I I don't know I mean I, I'm not sure like I don't know how he ended up at Illinois instead of instead of Marquette or Wisconsin I mean I Marquette would make I because Wisconsin doesn't necessarily get the the most athletic players let's put it that way right right wait a second here. Uh, Corey says Washington also got Pat Baldwin Jr. Did you see, see that? I didn't see that. I Google saw that and see if that's right. I'm I looking saw, at the YouTube comments coming in on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Um, I I saw Ryan Rollins. I saw Ryan Rollins. I did not see Pat Baldwin Jr. Good for Pat Baldwin Jr. If he gets to go to Washington, he's got a better chance to play there than he does. Uh, in Golden State, I didn't see that he got traded. So hold on, I am I am now, yeah, just twenty three minutes ago. The Wizards are trading, or the Warriors are trading Pat Baldwin Jr. The Wizards as part of the trade. Really? That's crazy. The Warriors good. are giving him so much, man. Good for Pat Baldwin Jr. All right, buddy, go make the most of it. Look, he's we not going to play Baldwin Golden State. And, we got Pat Baldwin and Johnny Davis on the Wizards now. Yeah, good for them. I mean, I'm not I'm all Johnny for Davis. It. Not Johnny Davis. We are against Johnny Davis. I love Johnny Davis. I'm not against Johnny Davis. He's, Listen, I, I'm never going to root against anybody that's played in this state. I'm just not. You play at UW-Green Bay, I'm going to root for him. You play at Milwaukee, yeah, Green Bay's cool. Green Bay's cool. Milwaukee's cool. But the Badgers are a different story. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're, you just... I mean, I get it, but still. Uh, so, yeah, Pat Baldwin Jr., I guess, going going, uh, going to Washington. Well, good job. Nicely done. Uh, Nate uh, on uh, the Odyssey Sports YouTube uh, channel says, thank you guys for taking time out of your night to talk Bucks basketball. It's so hard to listen to national media talk about the Bucks when they don't know what's going on. Thanks, boys. That is from Nate on the YouTube uh, channel. Uh, James uh, says, Bucks going nowhere if they resign Middleton and Lopez. They need to get younger. I agree that they need to get younger. We've talked about that on this podcast, but the problem is there's only one way to get younger at this point, And that is through the draft, which they went and got another draft pick to add to what they have. The other way would be through trade. We've talked about trading Portis, Connaughton, Grayson Allen. None of them got traded. Does that mean none of them will get traded going forward? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think I would be surprised if one of them ended up getting traded at some point this off season, Nathan. Yeah, I, I when I first saw the Bucks were getting thirty six in the draft tonight, I thought, I my initial thought was, I think Grayson's gone. Like I think we probably just traded Grayson, and I was very like, it was awesome when I just saw that they were trading a twenty, what, what was it, twenty 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 thirty second, a twenty thirty second round pick, <laughs> and cash. So I'm like, so basically nothing, nothing um, <laughs> to get into this draft, which has you know plenty oh, of. God. Plenty of depth in this class, and just like again, there were a lot of guys in the twenty-five to forty-five range that I that I was like, okay, these guys could be, you know, high floor guys, guys that just are impactful and cheap and young. And so, if you can um, get into that range and get one of those guys, great. And they did it without really giving up anything. So I applaud them for that. I'm happy with it. But yeah, I still want to see them try to trade, you know, Bobby or Grayson or whoever um, to look for some upgrades now. Don't force a trade just to make one. You know, I I think Bucks Twitter is pretty guilty of this, where they just want to see moves. They don't really even care what the moves are. They just why is horse they not doing change. anything? Yeah, and it's like, well, you don't make moves just to make moves. You try to get better. You know, you want to make sure that if you're trading a Bobby or a Grayson, that it's not just to get rid of them. It's to actually improve the team or get something that you need or you know fill some bigger need. So 
want to see them try to want to see them explore all their options and really, you know, see what they can get out of those guys. But because we even see, I mean, Marcus Smart got traded for Tyus Jones and two firsts. So I'd have to think that, you know, Marcus Smart's better than Grayson or, or Bobby Portis. But I think, you know, those two guys are, are could at least mm-hmm. get, so, you know, some decent value based on that type of stuff. I'd rather have Bobby Portis than Marcus Smart. I mean, I hate Marcus Smart, but so do me, I. He's a he's a he is a one hundred times more impactful player in the playoffs. Oh, you're back to the playoff thing again. Fine, because that's all that matters. The yeah, I, I understand. All that matter. I, I understand what you're saying, but I mean, the, the reality of the situation is John Moran being a, a fool uh, is why Marcus Smart is in Memphis because they needed a babysitter for that for that locker room. That that's it. That that's all it comes down to. And in fact, I'm ho- I'm going to be co-hosting a show. Um, multiple shows in Memphis on ESPN uh, Memphis uh, coming up on July 6th and July 7th, the 9 to 11 a.m. show. I'm co-hosting a couple shows in Memphis. So I'll be talking about this Grizzlies team and this whole deal. And look, I, I'm going to say the same thing there when I get there, which is they hired a babysitter. They gave up two ones to have a babysitter. They brought or a mentor, if you want to use mentor, to come in and straighten out John Moran, straighten out that locker room. Dylan Brooks is gone. We know that already. That's That's what they did. And that sucks with all due respect. The fact that I had to give up two ones because I can't trust my franchise player to act right is ridiculous. And I would be livid if I was at Memphis front office that I had to go out and do that in order to figure out this locker room at this point. But that locker room, again, it, it imploded last year. And I, I feel bad for the head coach because I love the head coach, a former butt assistant, great dude. Uh, but that was a disaster last year, Nathan. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But we we will we will see, and I I think as far as the Bucks and you know making trades and everything, and again the 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 real question is which guys can you get you know true value from? And there's guys like to me, and and, and it's got to be value that exceeds what they're giving you in the playoffs. As as I continue to always say, is I look at your playoff value and I say, okay, can can your can what you bring back in a trade exceed your playoff value for the Bucs? Because that's all I look at. I don't care if Bobby Portis puts up 15 and 10 in the regular season. I don't. Listen you know? to this. Listen to this. You new, you newbies to the Green and Growing Podcast. You can download on the Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast. Marzan's been saying this for months. Go ahead. Continue. So if if Bobby puts up 15 and 10, because I, I already told you, this is what's going to happen. We're going to get to the regular season. Bobby's not going to get traded. We're going to get to the regular season. Bobby's going to have some games where he's has 22 points and 12 rebounds. Bobby, and, Bobby, Bobby. And it's going to be, yeah. and then it's going to be, my mentions are going to be, you wanted to trade him. Yep. You, you are such an idiot. Yep. And blah, 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 blah. Yep. look how great Bobby is. And I'm going to be there for those mentions too. I'll be and it's going to be, laughing. and I'm, and I'm going to be sitting there like <laughs> you are taking a victory lap in December. Wait until the game's. Yeah, whatever. Wait until the games matter. It could be October. It could be the first game of the year. He's going to go off for 30 and 15 the first game of the year, and I'm going to get berated. And I'm going to say, wait until the playoffs start. Because that is truly, like, that. it's it's the playoff. Oh I mean, God. literally, the, the regular season at this point is a glorified preseason. It really is. It doesn't. Sure. The wins and losses don't really matter. You're watching it to kind of see, you know, okay, does Giannis' jump shot look a little bit better than before? Are we, how are we looking you know, in our defensive schemes and adjustments and just offensively, how is things flowing? But you're not really like 
okay, we have to win these games and we have to do this. And it's just kind of like seeing how things are playing out. You want to try to stay near the top-ish of the standings, avoid the play-in. But at this point, that regular season just doesn't mean that much. It's all about what you give us in the playoffs because it's a whole different game once the playoffs start. So to me, that's how I look at any player on this team is like if if your playoff value doesn't exceed what you can get back in a trade, I would like to try to move you. And really the only guy on that team for me that I that, that applies to is Bobby. I think Grayson's value probably is about equal as to what he he gives you in the playoffs because he gives you shooting. Um, and then like Pat Connaughton, I don't think he's getting you that much. And he hey, actually he's comes playoff re- Pat. You, but, he becomes, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I Most teams don't really, I, I don't think most teams are looking for him and, and trying to acquire him, but he really does step up his shooting in the playoffs. So to me, I'm like, I'd rather just keep him. Um, you know, you're not trading any of the big three or big four probably. And I don't think you're trading Marjan. So again, you're just kind of left with, all right, well, the only guy that really that applies for is Bobby. So that's once again, why I am just at least wanting them to look at trades and try to trade him. He is Nathan Marzian. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian, Buck Superfan. Follow me at Sparky Radio. And uh, again, Green and Growing Podcast. Normally we record on Monday and Thursday nights. You get posted on Tuesday and Friday mornings. We actually did three podcasts this week with a preview podcast uh, last night that got posted this morning. I got in a bunch of topics outside of the draft as well. Uh, and then obviously this podcast night wrapping up the draft. We'll do another one coming up on Monday evening. Nathan Marzian, thank you so much, my friend. You enjoy the rest of your evening. Yes, sir.